Previously on The Spoken World. It was the autumn of 2016 when we noticed that Max was sort of coughing a lot. Gosh, it's huge. I didn't know hearts were that big. This has nothing to do with asthma. Max has got an enlarged heart. We can't deal with it in this hospital. Max had to have a mechanical pump fitted inside his heart. This is episode 50 of the Spoken World podcast and part two of the Golden Heart series. If you haven't listened to part one, stop and go back. This is a story of a parent facing what can only be described right now as the trying times when they were told that their eight-year-old son had a third of a chance of getting better, a third of a chance of needing a heart transplant, and a third of a chance of passing on. Um, it's amazing how something that um, you never expected and then, you know, you, you have this um, earth-shattering experience and news. And then At some point, they had been called that they had a viable heart ready for Max, but, well, it didn't go through. He, he had, we had received a call, I think it was the 29th of July, um, saying that a heart was available, but that heart um, um, wasn't, that transplant couldn't go ahead because the heart wasn't functioning properly. So the, the operation was cancelled. And then a few days later, on the 2nd of August, we got another call uh, to say that another heart had been found and that, and that was the one um, that he got uh, and that did go ahead. But um, yeah, Max, Max knew that it was um, a risky operation. He, we, nobody had told him that or, but he knew in his heart that, that this, this, was, um, this was pretty serious as, as operations go. So that was quite moving to hear Max say that he was worried that it would be the last hug he would have with his parents. Um, um, I mean, we had to sign, you have, you know, whenever you have an opera, you have to, they go through all the risks with you and then you have to sign consent forms. Um, and I think it was a, there was a 20% chance that Max wouldn't make it through the operation. So um, we just had to pray that Max would be in the 80% that did get through the operation. And so we just, um, it was re really difficult kissing him goodbye in the in the operating theater um i think he said i love you both or something like that um there's actually a, a documentary called heart transplant a chance to live which is still available on bbc iplayer um and that actually shows that moment uh, when we kiss him goodbye and it still makes me sad thinking about it now because you know he, th he was thinking, will I see you again? And we were thinking exactly the same thing. So so we, we said our goodbyes and then we went, I think we went off to the um, a health club and had a glass of wine. <laughs> um, and, and then we were twiddling our thumbs for the, la for the next nine hours waiting. Um, and then we got the call um, to say, He's out of theatre, everything's gone well, you can come and see him. So we couldn't quite believe it. We we were just so relieved that that he'd made it through and that the call had not said, could you come over, we need to have a conversation, which you know is not going to be good news. Yeah. And even as, as serious as both of you felt, one of the checks that he did um, in order to make sure that Max was Max, as, as he said in, in the book, um, after they had confirmed 
um, that it was him, he actually started to sing My Heart Skips a Beat <laughs> right before he had a heart transplant. Oh, that was so ironic. Yeah, it was literally... He'd, he. So what they do with, um, especially with Max, to calm his nerves a bit, they, they give him some, I call it doolally medicine, um, which makes him go a bit strange. And he, you know, it just t- takes all the, the worry away. And he just, it's a bit like, a, you know, he's floating a little bit. And so they put him on the trolley and we wheeled him along the corridor to, to and he, he, he would, he would deviate from being tearful to laughing to squealing to making jokes to singing. And one of the songs he piped out with was, um, uh, Ollie Murs, my heart skips, skips a beat. <laughs> and everyone just looked at one another and just, it was like, oh my, the irony, yeah, these, of the one the, the, the one song that he's chosen, it's, it's so relevant. <laughs> we hope it doesn't skip, skip a beat. We hope he comes through and it's all fine. But, you know, that was quite a, you know, people did smile when he was singing that song very loudly down the corridors of the Freeman Hospital. <laughs> it was quite a journey. Max survived and now has his beautiful beating heart. But the heart came from someone else. Another family had experienced pain no one ever shared. Yeah, that's, um, that's a very good point. It was... It was um, we we we'd mentally prepared ourselves over the previous months that in order for max to have a chance of a second life another family had to experience a tragedy um and agree to organ donation in order to let that happen so we knew that max's gift of life would come um as as a result of the sacrifice of some somebody else um and it became even more um, magnified when we saw max after his transplant and as you say as we watched max's heart steadily beating the thought crossed our mind that gosh there's a family somewhere out there that's suffering from the most horrendous um terrible grief that you can imagine um but who has had the strength to say, yes, please donate our child's organs to save others. Um, And so it was a very poignant, but it also felt, was very, very poignant, but it also felt strangely abstract at that point because you didn't know the person. It it, It was just a heart had become available. Max had his transplant. Now he could start his journey to recovery. It felt very sort of abstract uh, so it it didn't feel like it had a strong emotional connection because you didn't you couldn't visualize the person or the circumstances. All you could do was sort of look up to the sky and say thank you out thank you to whoever's done this. Yeah, and speaking of um of um how abstract it was because you didn't know where the or who had donated mm. the heart. Your book eventually speaks about the family, the donor's family. Um, so Kira was the nine-year-old child, um, a girl. It was her heart that Max ended up getting at the end. How was it like connecting with that family? Because I read that it was a, l- a little difficult to try to reach out um, to them. So um, yeah, how how did that all pan out at the end? Yeah.
This had to have been difficult, even afterwards, thinking about the loss of the other family. But they were able to bond. The two families, Max's and Kira's, were finally able to connect. So Max came home um, about six weeks after his operation. He came home on the 14th of September uh, 2017. So we'd spent the previous six weeks just helping him, um, sort of rehabilitation, things like he needed a lot of physiotherapy because of sort of muscle wastage while he'd been a bit bed bound or wheelchair bound. So it was building up his physical strength as well as sort of, um, you know, nurturing him um, spiritually and, and you know, and we were able even in that six week period to take him out for day trips, was, which was just incredible. He could, um, when he was ill, he couldn't even turn, you know, in one full circle because of all the machinery and the wires. And so, so that was the September. And then in the October, we, because we were going back to clinic every week from Cheshire back up to Newcastle. So once, once a week in the early days, uh, it's much less now. It's about every two months. Um, and I bumped into um, a lovely lady called Alison, who is Max's transplant coordinator uh, at the Freeman. And she basically did all the logistical organising, the transplant and organising for the heart to come from the south of England up to the northeast of England within the four-hour four window that you need. And I said to her, um, do we know anything about are we allowed to know anything about Max's donor? And she said, oh, well, I do know a little bit, I can tell you, if you want to come and we'll have a little chat. So she took us into a side room, me and Max, and basically said, I, I can't tell you personal details, but I can tell you that Max, your heart came from a nine-year-old girl who's died in a car crash. Um, and I think both Max and I's, Max's and my eyes welled up with tears, um, because it was at that point that um, the the child who who whose heart now beat within Max became imaginable for the first time. You could almost picture or visualize a a little girl, age nine. You know. So then I said, "Well, oh, are we allowed to write a thank you card?" And she said, "Yes, you can write a thank you card, but." You can only put your first names. You can't put your address or contact details. And then we can pass that to Alison and she would then make sure it gets to the donor family. So we went home from Newcastle right, and um, Max wrote a, a lovely, simple card, a thank you card. And Paul and I also spent hours writing a card, which was very hard to find the right words. But we wanted to express our gratitude and we knew that if we imagined being... Um, in their shoes, we imagined how wonderful it would feel to be sent that card of gratitude. Um, so we, we we did that. We sent the cards to Alison, who then made sure that the donor family received them. And we kind of then sort of thought, right, OK, we, you know, we may never know who they are, but we feel that we've thanked them. And then a, a few weeks later, um, a Facebook message popped into my Facebook saying just wanted to just wanted you to know that we think that Max has my my daughter Kira 
we think Max has her heart and we just wanted you to know that Max has got the best heart in the world um, or something along those lines. And and I just burst into tears and it was like, oh, Paul, I think this is this is um, Max's donor mum and she's called Kira. And, and then we started communicating with one another and sure enough, yeah, Kira was Max's donor. The, the way they had found out was that because we'd been in the, doing the campaign with the mirror, the card that we had sent had said, Paul, Emma, Harry and Max. And the mirror articles said, Paul, Emma, Harry and Max, and then said the surname in the mirror. So they were able to put two and two together and then find me on Facebook. Um, although Loanna, who is Kira's mum, Loanna's sister had said to her, I'm sure that this little boy has got Kira's heart. She had guessed that that Max had Kira's heart from the from the newspaper articles. So when we and we we waited, I think five weeks before letting the Mirror announce Max's heart transplant, out of respect for the donor family, um, we wanted to leave it at least four or five weeks um, before we gave our permission for them to announce it in the newspaper. Um, but they did a big front page headline, Max has got his new heart, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we we started to form a really lovely bond um, with Joe and Loanna. Um, so what had happened, they, they they actually came to visit us in the following May and they we, we talked a lot and um, Joe and Loanna, Kira's parents were able, and Kira's siblings, um, were able to use a stethoscope and hear Kira's heart beating in Max's chest, which was a, that's a moment I'll never forget. And it was very poignant. It was, um, there were a lot of tears in, in a lot of eyes. Um, but the fascination, you could sense that fascination and bond with Max, um, having, having um, you know, their daughter's heart living on inside him which was just incredible. Um, so we, we, you know, we really got to know each other, but we found out through our conversations with the, the family that um, the, in the car crash, Loanna and Bradley, Kira's brother, um, had both been seriously injured in the, in the crash. Kira hadn't made it. And Joe, basically, he was um, rushing to and fro between three different hospitals. And it, so it was Joe Ball, uh, Kira's father, who made that decision um, to uh, donate Kira's organs, which saved not just Max's life, but four lives. So another little boy um, and two adults were saved as well. Um, so we, we, we feel very blessed and honoured that we've been able to, you know, express our heartfelt gratitude to face to face with with Kira's family well we've come to the end of this um but, but before we you know say goodbye I want to ask how Max is now and what you think the future holds for everyone yeah he's doing well um he's he you know Post-transplant life is not without its challenges. Um, and yes, mm -hmm. Max has had some challenges. He's he's struggled with school attendance. Um, he sometimes struggles with psychologically. 
and he sometimes struggles with side effects of the very strong anti-rejection medication that that he has to take for the rest of his life um but actually all in all um he's he's a very happy child he's he he's now able to cycle around the back garden um play badminton with his brother um chuck tennis balls at each other <laughs> um which you know he couldn't do any of that before so um but the future you know we don't think too far ahead into the future we we try and take each day at a time Max is hopeful that um, the new law, which is called Max and Kira's law, um, mm -hmm. our hope as a family is that all the work we've contributed to in helping to change the law, we hope that that will encourage more people to have family conversations about what their decision would be. If they, if they passed away, would they want their organs to be donated or not? Um, and I think that if there are more family conversations and more known decisions, then hopefully the consent rate, more families will give their blessing. We feel that all the publicity that's gone on in the last few years has certainly helped to put organ donation uh, on the map and, and it's taken it away from being a taboo subject. It's much less taboo now to talk about what you want to happen to your organs than it ever used to be and for me that's a big achievement um just one last point is that one of the reasons max wanted to be involved in the campaign was that there were several children at, uh, you know in the freeman who died before an organ could become available for them and that's been a really big driver not just for max but for me and for paul Right now, Max changed the law to include Kira, and it is now known as the Max and Kira's Law. And as of May 2021, as recorded in the Mirror, a record of almost 300 people have donated organs for life-saving transplants. I may have missed a bit of the story back there. On Easter, while Max was receiving treatment, he was gifted a willow tree figurine called Heart of Gold. Coincidentally, while he received treatment, he needed a mechanical pump. It had real gold in it. Max had the chance to live again with Kira's heart. It was a second chance with the golden heart. Thank you so much for listening till the end. And if you started from part one, extra points to you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Spoken World. Send an email with whatever you want really, at thespokenworldpodcast at gmail.com. The background music for the Spoken World Podcast, Boys Know They Smile, is brought to you by Memma Music. Till next time, my name is Hua from Nigeria. <laughs>